Hey everyone, it's Wheat here. I think we have a really great episode ahead of you talking about Riptide with the webs. Um, what a great conversation talking to that guy. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties in the beginning of it. Some, my mic's not really working. We figured everything out. We got it sorted out. Um, so if you can get through the first part of this episode, you're going to get a really good conversation about what we're going to see at Smash's first major and talking to Webs, who we haven't seen in a while. So I hope you enjoy it. I think it's going to be great. And I just want to apologize for whatever technical difficulties there were. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hello. Welcome to Waiting for Game, podcast produced by Melee Stats. Um, what an episode we're going to have. Dude, I, I am so excited for uh, the the return to majors. We're going to see uh, Riptide. We're going to see Riptide this weekend. Um, something that we've all been waiting for, and something that also we've all been waiting for is uh, a little a little return of uh, our good friend Michael Weber. So I am your host, Gimme That Wheat. Uh, I have my co-host here, Edwin Budding, and today we have Webs as our guest. Dude, what is going on? Not much. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't think that's true. I actually think that a lot has been going on. Um, the last time we saw you was Smash Up Nine. Mm-hmm. Is we really quiet for anybody else? You're getting quieter and quieter. <laughs> he, yeah. he literally You're was fading talking. away. I was like away. leaning in. I actually turned my headset up a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's, it's like that song with Kendrick Lamar, where, uh, Sing About Me Dying of Thirst, where he's like rapping or whatever, but like his voice fades away in the, in the background, yeah. like to close the verse. That's actually so funny. Well, I, I'm really happy you're, you're here, Webs. I think it's been a while since the, the, you know, let alone our audience, but the broader Smash scene has like kind of kind of heard from you for a while, right? So it's, it's really fun to kind of both talk about the modern scope of the, like the state of the scene what's changed since you were you were last very active what hasn't and what the future looks like at riptide and whatnot yeah i mean uh it's true that i i, I haven't paid a ton of attention to um to online to any rollback events really uh the the rollback summit event i didn't even like super pay attention to the only like i'm, I'm kind of up to date on results thanks to the melee stats discord server but uh if it weren't for you know people reporting results in there there'd be no way that i would really know what was going on with rollback in general but with uh the return to in-person events with summit and riptide coming up you know i'm very much invested in looking forward to seeing how everyone performs offline You say that again? I can almost hear you. What's your personal relationship with Smash right now? Um, my personal relationship with Smash right now, it's it's I just play unranked here and there. <laughs> That's pretty much it lately. Uh, the Webs Falcon we're talking about? Yeah, I well I play actually I've been playing like a pretty wide variety of characters lately. Um, it's so easy to just play like an hour of unranked a day, and I feel like I've improved a lot because of it. Like, just as a player, I think I would still do horribly in tournament, you know, but I feel like I actually have a better understanding and appreciation for some of the uh, more intricate levels of mix-ups in certain matchups that previously I wouldn't, you know, have. Still, it's primarily with, like, Fast Fallers, Falcon, a little bit of Sheik Marth. You know, I'm playing mostly the high tiers, but um, to be able to actually, you know, improve at the game and, like, get better and, like, 
have a better appreciation for how interactions occur is uh, pretty rewarding. So. Yeah, we played we played for a bit, Webs. You're you're pretty solid. I like playing your Falcon. It's been a it's been a while since we played Edwin. We should play again because I actually think that yeah. uh, I've gotten both better uh, as a player and mentally. I've been focusing on my my headspace and really like when I play against people like on unranked, doesn't matter who they are, like I give them respect and I try to like you know. So maybe I'll start entering tournaments in the future. Who knows? I've really been enjoying playing. But that's like all I've been doing. Like, I, you know, I haven't been watching tournaments too much, just playing a little bit unranked here and there and kind of enjoying the game for what the game is. And I, I've been staying off of social media a lot too, actually. I've been avoiding, you know, the Twitter side of Smash. Every once in a while, I'll like check it here or there and get upset about what I'm seeing. But yeah, it's not very, you know, it's it's not. Um... Yeah, uh, let me just. Uh... <laughs> Fire questions. How do you feel about a thousand dollar controller? Uh, should Aklo be able to taunt? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else? We, we got a few more. Yeah, Which yeah. Controller should be legal. People are just stir crazy. You know, it's just. Yeah. I'm staying off off Twitter for the foreseeable future. Hopefully, I mean, the, it'll the get last, better. So we talked about Smash Summit 11. You know, being the first like time we saw a major event since Smash Summit 9, since like an in-person one. But uh, dial that back to open tournament it it's what been um you know i i wouldn't count ceo dreamland as this huge thing unfortunately uh kind of extenuating circumstances so it might be since genesis genesis 7 um so yeah i mean people have definitely been going stir crazy it, it's been 18 months since the last time we had a uh like a big in-person major so yeah i mean i, I think that uh Hey, kudos to the Smash community and to the Melee community for being able to sustain itself. And, and I think that uh, arguing about the most nonsensical things you can on a weekly basis, that, that just might be the entrance fee to, to staying alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we have to take uh, what we can to kind of keep people interested, you know. So, you know, even though some of the topics are kind of uh, droll, in my opinion, or... You know, you know how it goes, guys. If you had a, uh, you know, like people have Instagram takeovers. If you had a takeover of Smash Twitter discourse for a day, what would the discourse be? <laughs> um, well, I mean, we've had such a buildup coming up to this event. I feel like people haven't spoken enough about Riptide and like, you know, like actually it was funny because, you know, I haven't paid a ton of attention leading up to this. But, um, and I was talking to Edwin earlier before we started, I didn't really do a ton of prep as far as, you know, looking at uh, specifically the bracket looked like at Riptide or anything. I kind of looked at the notable entrance and tried to see, um, you know, just some basic information. But, um, oh, wait, oh, hold on, I totally lost my train of thought. What did I start talking about at the beginning there? You were talking about uh, initially not doing as much prep as far as specific yeah. bracket matches. But knowing, but knowing kind of the general vibe of who could possibly win the event and recognize oh, right. the names. Yeah. So I started, I looked around a little bit to see if anybody had put together like previews or anything. And um, there were a few things. Uh, Melee stats, of course, one of the few places where you can actually find something like that. But I thought Monday that... morning Marth on MeleeStats.co? <laughs> on a special week. Labor Day Tuesday edition? Um, but like, I thought there would be more, more excitement for it. So, 
Um, I think there will be, you know, day of, but leading up to it, I that would be my Smash Twitter takeover with people people more beginning excited and talking about the return to in-person events. Very yeah, awesome. I want to uh, yes and do there and mention that I think, uh, you know, maybe this is just because I've been binging Fiction's YouTube channel, but I, <laughs> I would like to see more of people talking about, like, the game, making decisions in the game and talking about, like, like common situations versus just niche ones. I think there's a there's a lot on that channel that is just like it's just a gold mine of great educational melee content that mm -hmm. I would love to see fleshed out a little more on on Twitter than just Edwin, like something niche. I I got to say first off, I'm glad those UCB classes that we're sending you to are paying off. You know the word yes and. Um <laughs> And all, all the money that we're spending is really, you know, all the patrons' money is, is really, you know, it's working mm -hmm. its way up. Um, that being said, dude, I, I don't think the, the uh, scene would survive if the discourse was like, what would you do in this in this situation? Do you, would you fast fall here? Or would you, like, <laughs> I, I think our game would, would be dead. Um, we're, we're very lucky that uh, you have people thinking of new ways to call each other nerds. Um, and that lasting for a solid 48 hours as like our fuel yeah i mean that being said webs yeah you know, I, I think you're onto something here what's uh what's with the discourse surrounding riptide we this is the first big one back and i, and I unfortunately you know we had our episode with wisely last week very very fun episode you know good to talk about uh a scene that is very similar to melee but but you know a lot of the ones that the melee fans don't really think about much which is the p plus scene Mm -hmm. fortunately a lot of riptide talk and discourse has been about uh people yeah. but, but the melee side we are a stacked event you know we we are seeing some top 10 players here um the landscape of melee has changed since you last saw it so i'm just gonna start it off do you know who hungry box is <laughs> oh you mean the um the guy who entered the most ultimate tournaments over quarantine out of any individual i believe who probably played through to completion the most ultimate brackets uh, yeah that's him glad you've been keeping up uh next question is do you know who axe is axe yeah yeah he's an old school player making his return right yeah I'm glad to see that you've kept up with the game, but uh, I mean, for real, like we are, we are seeing a lot of players who uh, the positions they are in currently definitely different than they were last time we saw them in an open bracket. You know, I, I think uh, there's a lot of players who've used the past 18 months to really show what they got. Um, and I guess like, yeah, let's talk about it. Webs, uh, you are someone who hasn't been paying a ton of attention. Like what, does, it, does anything shock you here if you look at uh, some of the top seeds or some of the matchups that we're going to see? Um, hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of the names that have kind of that I've seen have sprung up doing well in quarantine results were names that I was previously aware of. You know, players who did well within region here or there or um, maybe had like a big win at like a regional. You know, somebody who you had your eye on and uh there's just been so many more raw hours put into melee by so many of these players that they've really been given a chance to uh to flourish and the question is always when we return 
to offline events is are they going to be able to make the uh, the adjustment and um you know i feel like it is a, a different kind of competition when you have the the kind of disconnect when you have your own environment where you can really kind of get yourself into uh, a headspace and also just like a physically a place where you're comfortable and you can really achieve your maximum um results but in person it's always different people you know hbox is is always going to be the person who you first go to, to to point at that right um he has he's over the years he's had this very imposing presence in person you know it's it's almost like the personification of that in-person difference right you know he Just will physically he stand over people and he'll like dance and rap and stuff you know if you've seen him walk around off. the venue it is uh it's certainly something yeah yeah <laughs> but um but yeah, you know, it's it's that kind of thing. And uh, it's going to be, I think, maybe maybe not as difficult as some people would expect to make that adjustment. You know, a lot of them competed in person beforehand, too. So they have a bit of experience. It's not like it's a completely irrelevant experience to, to compete online. Um, you know, what I'm worried about, actually, is that uh, we may actually see what the blur prophesized so long ago, this, this erasure of uh, the floaty mid tier. I feel like so many players are going to get so good at like this base level of play that it's going to be so incredibly difficult. Only like very, very strong players who play these characters are going to actually, you know, be able to make, make stabs. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be really uh, interesting to see. Edwin, talk to me about blur. <laughs> What is there to talk about with regards to Blur? <laughs> you are the Blur of Melee stats, right? <laughs> That's how dare you? If one I'm had to Edwin be a Blur, of Melee stats, not the Blur of Melee stats. But if one had to be a Blur, no. Come on. <laughs> okay, so so the idea, um, the idea behind. In my mind, is a uh... <laughs> the idea behind Blur is saying whatever, and then you win just because whatever you said, it doesn't matter, right? If you're wrong, uh, then it's you know you were saying stuff for content, and if you were right, it's because you were right the entire time. Um, and unfortunately, we are we are like in a a Schrodinger's cat situation with most of what he says. Because if it is proven wrong, then he's like, well, you know, we'll see about when we return to land, or it'll be, we'll see when, you know, this happens, or there's always another goalpost to, to move. Um, before I get into 90 minutes of anti-blur propaganda, <laughs> uh, I'll let Edwin take over, because I, I don't really, really remember where I'm going with this. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure either, but I want to... Uh continue off of something you mentioned with floaty mid-tiers webs um just on a related note one of the people that i think that we expected to learn a lot about or learn something new about after smash summit 11 actually uh we ended up not learning that much more from him i think that axe is one of the people at this event with the most to to win to gain and also the the most to lose if that makes sense because like if you think about it, like if it wasn't for Hungrybox, I feel like Axe would be the player whose online decline in performance would be like the talk of town and the one and the one we'd all be talking about. And the um, 
the main difference one of the main differences between the two is that while hungrybox to his credit was still entering melee tournaments playing jigglypuff presumably trying as hard as he could online you know axe is going ice climbers going falco marth come the return of the you know the first major smash summit i don't really know if we learned anything new about him that wouldn't have held up from what we saw from him online right and of course you know you can never weigh too much stock into locals or even or but you know trends tell a different story and i think the facts that the fact that um this is the first one of the rare times where axe is finishing beneath another player on a power rankings and actually being negative against him head-to-head meds I think that's kind of a scary sign for him. Like, you know, maybe maybe Meds is just that amazing against Pikachu. They they both have gone back and forth against each other. I mean, he's a very like, good player. Like, yeah, Meds of, is of very course. strong. You know, it's not to like say like this is a weaker player or anything. Like, he's right. still very good. But I do see but what you're saying. Yeah, and, and we're talking about someone you know who who won Smash Summit Eight, right? Like, we're yeah, we're talking true. about someone who is a dark horse to take not a not like a leading contender, but a dark horse to take majors. And mm-hmm. I think you know like. If you're, if, if when the stakes are that high, every Fox player, you know, from top twenty-five Fox players to even top fifty or just outside the top fifty, like you know, if Axe plays Zealot in bracket or something, you know, maybe if a couple of years ago we we see Axe is very solidly favored and like it, like we see that kind of matchup as something that oh, this is Axe's ideal matchup. But today, I don't know if that's the case. I'm yeah. gonna need to see something different from him. <laughs> there's a um, there's a thing that Edwin and I say to each other about Axe uh, and his results through uh through quarantine. Um, Axe has been playing through quarantine like he has Zane results, but he really doesn't. Like he's he's going <laughs> Ice Climbers and Falco and Young Link and everything, and it's like he will do this regardless. But he's uh. He hasn't, like, reached the level where he has, like, solid airtight results. Because when he did go Pikachu, we saw him lose to, like, Billy Bo Peep, Two Saint, etc. Um, <laughs> so, it, it's a very weird thing to see Axe uh, perform on a LAN event. And I think the Summit 11, you know, Summit 11 had a lot of cool things. I think one of the more frustrating things was um, a lot of it just felt pretty normal at the end of the day. Like, I think pool sets, it was like, this is the new melee! <laughs> um, and then Sunday came, and Hbox gets third, and, you know, X, uh, X is doing pretty well. It gets fourth or fifth or whatever. Um, we get the continuation podcast of where... Mango Zane as well. <laughs> Mango Zane. Well, that was, yeah, I mean, I can't fault that. Come on. Uh, but it is very funny how, like, we were we were ready for everything to change. Everything we knew about melee would suddenly change, and then, uh, you no, know, it all just kind of was. Uh, as in terms of the top tiers, was a pretty big continuation of what we saw from the last time we were on LAN. Um, but looking at Smash Summit Eleven, the if the top tiers that we saw, if the top players, kind of were able to continue their uh, their skill level, we saw the people below them definitely jump up. So, so I think this is going to be one of the interesting things that uh, Edwin's talking about is like, I, you know, I'm not necessarily going to predict that Axe is going to be a lot worse than he was in 2020, you know, uh, 2019, but it's not about how much worse he is. It's about how much better the people mm-hmm. below him are. Yeah. The um, field, 
the field base level is just like at a, an insane. all-time high. Yeah, it's crazy. Truly insane. I mean, I guess that leads us to like this being the first time that we're going to see a lot of people really have to perform at the you know at the level of all these pressures. Smash Brothers Eleven. We saw Aqua. We saw Zorin. We saw uh, Logan. We saw all these players who were able to top off through Slippies, and each of them took a set. Each of them were able to prove themselves, and now we have a wider open field. We have tons of people who like really got their name through Slippy, and now it's land. Now it's time to prove it, like, you know, show that this wasn't a fluke. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just such an interesting thing. What do you think about this, Webs? Um, about what in particular, exactly? I mean, I agree with everything that you say right there. Like, hey, I that's all like, I need you to say. Yeah. The uh, the, the whole point that, that I was trying to make, you know, initially... Uh, what was you know i think like you said it even more cleanly is that the the field itself is just at a such higher level um you know i feel like people in general have a more of a, an understanding of just like the really solid fundamentals of how melee interactions you know tend to play out and it's a lot more about like just being very clean and uh you know we we kind of see like the arms race as far as being a clean player <laughs> with the implementation of uh different um, controllers that people are using, Goomwave, you know, various boxes, um, you know, and that's on top of previous methods that people have done with capacitors and notches and everything too. It's just like it's constantly stepping up its level because people are reaching that level where they they can hit those that kind of consistency and they want to be able to execute the strategies that you know they find to be the best. So, just as I think it's just going to be such an interesting time. I hope. I mean, I really hope that we can we'll be able to continue some semblance of in-person events, and that you know things will improve in such a way that we will continue to see this because we have such a, a you know a hopefully this this tournament goes off you know really smoothly and we don't have any issues and we can potentially you know springboard off it and be able to see some uh, some really interesting results with IRL melee. some of that tier of up-and-comer players and, and maybe you know, you've got like the uh the android zeros the people who've been really grinding in person versus the, the big online players which i think you know just looking at the seeding and seeing them and logan so high seeing that type of people those players are definitely out of the range yeah so i i mean i i can uh if I'm following what you're saying, right, like I, I can go into a, a few of them. I think a, a really good example of the of like someone who was particularly inactive for a major part of the early year and then started really excelling both online and offline is Casper, the, the SoCal PR Fox. Um, Casper fir first caught my attention, I think, like a couple to a few years ago when he started making top eight at SoCal Locals. Which, of course, you know, this is something that applies to quite a few people in SoCal. Shocker, it's a very good region. But I think, um, you know, the, the next thing I remember from him was him taking a game off AMSA at, at a tournament. I'm pretty close there. 
And I think as far as his results in 2021, you know, he's beaten almost all the active SoCal grinders, you know, taking a set taking a set off fiction, beating a guy like Asashi, who I think is getting who's racking up quite a good uh, list of wins. He's beating Curve consistently. I think this is a guy that, you know, like if if his local results are worth anything and if his online results are worth anything against people out of region, he is in particular I think is one of the like more hidden players that I really believe are is, could be set for a big breakout at this tournament. That's a good pitch. I think he took a game off of Amsa at uh, Smash and Splash 5. So maybe uh, proximity to water parks is a big thing when looking at uh, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> or just water in general. It's possible it's just water in general. We have to uh, we have to fly him out to Death Valley and then um, just a pool. So you see, see, uh, see how he does. Yeah. <laughs> Webs, what are your thoughts on Bracket, uh, you know, be it water-related skill or otherwise? Um, you know, I feel like there's going to be some very, very, uh, I don't know how to put it. I feel like there's going to be way less, like, like, late bracket upsets than people expect. I feel like all the upsets are going to come in, like, the um, kind of... 97th to like 64th kind of like when people are starting to get into the final bracket um because i do feel like that while we do, while the field has you know reached a, a certain level that um you know like you said if summit showed us anything that there's still a lot of the same that's going on as well um so as i usually do i'm going to be really looking forward to paying attention to those matches those are the matches that i'm really going to have my eyes on because those are going to be um, the, the precursors to uh, maybe some potential, you know, late bracket runs. But I think once we get down to, you know, top 16, top 12, that uh, we'll start to see, you know, your IBDW, Wizro, Plup Ginger, kind of like typical top eight that you would sort of expect with this thing. Uh, I wish I had more to say about, you know, upset players. I'm kind of looking at the notable entrance list right now. And, um, I mean, there are just so many names that... Yeah, man. Well, let, let us... Help. What Do you got any questions on anyone? I'm, I'm happy to to lend yeah. my services. Sure. Um, and I'll bill you at the end. Has Michael been playing in uh, Netplay events much? I know he originally started on in, in Netplay, you know, back in the Faster Melee days. So, one thing that was strange about Michael during the Netplay era is that he was active on Netplay. <laughs> But he was active. He was active against Chicago, so he. So oh, very play, insular net play yeah, scene. So he would play <laughs> mostly against like Unsure, Scarzo, Ober. You know, like all right. all your Chicago favorites. But as far as his like out of like you know what what rollback was made for, he <laughs> he didn't actually compete as much as I expected him to. Like right. when rollback kicked around, and when he did, it, it was kind of hit or miss. Yeah, uh, I I forget who it was that told me this. I 
I think it was Ambi, so I'm gonna say it was Ambi. But it was An but Ambi had a theory that Michael actually loved delay net play so much more than rollback, <laughs> and rollback just ruined it. For him. I mean, if you look at the events that he entered, it, he entered a lot before Slippy came out. <laughs> yeah, he he was so one weird. of those guys. You know, save ran the Untitled series. That was the new hotness, uh, and dude was entering a lot of those. That was the first classic was like Michael versus Lod or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, in April 2020. Um, so, yeah, we definitely did see a lot of uh, of him. And the, I I don't know what it is about Slippy. I don't know what it is about the idea of playing Melee with someone across the country and feeling good. But whatever it is, Michael does not like that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting how the, the Chicago scene... They they kept their their local to Chicago and like surrounding suburbs type people, which I probably made for a really good you know experience as far as connection went. Um, and I I did kind of like I would see results for them here and there, but you know I think as a result of that, a lot of those players I I don't have much of a gauge for. So, um, be interesting to see how Michael does. Let's see anybody else who pops out. Yeah, if if I may mention someone, sure, I'm gonna pick someone who was notably not very active on that play. I want to talk about Hugs '86. What do you two think of Hugs <laughs> heading into this tournament? How's he gonna do? Hmm. I think we he is killing it. Um, he is fit. He hmm. uh, he's been having a lot of sponsored deals. You know, lots of uh, do doing pretty well in terms of uh, his life. Can't speak on his love life, but I'm sure he's doing great. Um, I think he's do I think he's in a wonderful place right now. That being said, I don't think he's touched melee in any capacity in a long time. And uh, one of the most, I think, so this is something that I want to bring up. One of the most impressive things about Hugs is his ability to be good when he wants to be good. Because how we look at Hugs is a really good player who busters out a, like. You know, every however many months. Right. Uh, but I think we should look at him as a player who his base skill line, like his uh, base level skill, is probably not that high in terms of like the the top players. You know, he's not going to be a top twenty player if he doesn't practice. Like you know, some players might be able to, but he is someone who can go from you know top like later half of top one hundred or whatever. To uh to top twenty with a lot of practicing, and you can't say that about every player in the top one hundred. You know, as much as I think top one hundred players are, are really good, uh, you can't give me just some random player in the nineties and say, yeah, do you think if they practice for two months they'd be top fifteen? But we've seen hugs do it multiple times, so yeah. uh, that's my very nice way of saying he's probably gonna get sixty fifth. I think that's a reasonable assessment. That's actually really similar to what I was going to mention as well. I, I was going to say he has like a brief, he, he only needs like a brief period of practice, of like really dedicated practice. Because mm -hmm. I feel like Hugs gets into this mindset where he's like, okay, I'm going to set up a schedule. I'm going to, you know, practice these few Samus things that, you know, that, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not a technical Samus. Like he is, he's pretty clean with his Samus when he's in practice, you know, when he puts the time in. Um, I don't think that, you know, Samus is a character that really relies on, like very well there are some frame type techniques but a lot of it is just about like being really good with wave dash spacing and just like you know understanding you know your positioning 
So I don't think it does, you know, it, it takes him a bit of time to get back into shape, but uh, as many times as he's like randomly busted out in his career, he's also made these like super late stabs into huge tournaments where he's had really good results too. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the things that that uh, that I think we we is especially alluding to. It's like when this guy practices, like he or when he cares about melee, like he does well, right? It's like, shock, like shocker, <laughs> hugs is good at melee when he's paying attention, yeah. and I, I think it's it's like sort of funny because the. Uh, his involvement in Smash and his involvement kind of as a content creator has been very different than the uh, than the you know the the hugs that was top fifteen in the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know if if there's a time for him to maybe do some tryhard practice a week or two before before the first big like open major in the last eighteen months, maybe maybe this is it. Maybe if hugs in the swooper beat up in bracket like of top of top top forty eight or whatever. Is it so crazy that Hugs take takes it? I, oh. or, like maybe he's like he's probably disadvantaged in the matchup, but like, would you really be surprised? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, wouldn't blow my mind at all. I think that Hugs is paying more attention to where sells Voodoo Ranger around Sandusky <laughs> and what tweet, what sponsored tweet he can come up with. Um, I think he was thinking more about that than who he has in bracket. And what matchups he needs to prepare for. Well, I think uh, that well, the thing about Hugs is that, um, first of all, at this point, he's a pro. He doesn't need to plan out the Voodoo Ranger ad ahead of time. He's got five <laughs> templates. He goes to one of them. He puts a twist on it. little squeeze of lemon. It's a perfect ad every time. He's a beautiful sponsor, man. Uh, but I will say, I feel like, hey, maybe, you know, he's looking super fit lately. He seems like he's very happy. Maybe his improved mental health. You know, being in a, p- a place in his life where he feels comfortable uh, will give him the extra push that he needs to succeed. <laughs> Possible. I'd love you know, to see it. You know, Webbs, I got a question for you. Hugs, uh, you talk about how he's been, you know, on his fitness game recently. We've been seeing some tweets where he's rocking some some uh, short shorts. What's your preferred inseam for a uh, short during the summer? Like, uh, I don't have, like, the number. I like mm-hmm. above knee by, like, a, a good margin. I, I pants over shorts over the knee are probably my least favorite item of clothing that I could possibly wear. I hate them. Cap- Worse only are capris, which are like basically longer shorts over the knee. <laughs> I feel like uh, there's yeah. a lot of uh, like pre-Genesis era pictures of European smashers with a lot of like denim capris. Definitely. Very I, hot I, item in that era. In, I'm not uh, sure if this picture Sweden. exists, but I can imagine Aniolis <laughs> wearing some denim capris. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He had a closet full, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we talked about Hugs's uh, shorts are, are looking pretty short these days, but will his bracket run be just as short? I think that's the question we're talking about here on Waiting for Game, the weekly podcast brought to you by Melee Stats. Uh, the question is uh, undetermined at the moment. <laughs> I think we're seeing a lot of people who have uh, some brackets that could be really, you know, scary for some people or, or could be really, really potentially good. I think um, there's a ton of people who we just don't know about. And uh, I, I, you know what? I'm going to bring up the, uh, the the can of worms that is Flash. Yes. Oh, my oh, goodness. Here we go. That yeah. guy is nasty. I ran into him <laughs> on Netplay, I think. A bit ago, and I was in a bit that ago. Dude... Oh, like just recently. This is yeah. you're fresh off. You're biased right now because you just got beat so. Well, That's I've I've heard legends about Flash 
I ran. I I saw him mess up PP on stream. <laughs> I ran into him on netplay. That guy was one of the hardest players I've ever ever played in my whole life. So I would not surprise me. He's if like he a. Made... Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off at the end there. He's like a um a uh, what do you call it? Like a fairy tale to me almost. I've only heard whispers of him through the Discord. I don't actually know much about about Flash. So can you guys give me more context to this? Program? I mean, I, I'm not sure if uh, like you talk about how you know you haven't been paying attention to melee that much recently. You could still be paying attention to melee and not really know a lot about Flash. Flash, uh, you know, not the Japanese player who's also extremely good. Um, you know, this is uh, FKA Professor Flash, uh, Ohio Falco. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure if I really can tell you a lot about uh, Flash. Flash is a bit of a legend in the Melee Stats uh, extended universe, but I am willing to, to put some money, some uh, fake money on, on him doing decently well. I mean, I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, this was before Edwin talked about how he's uh, the second coming. He's but, he's the real deal. He's really good. He's the I, real thing. Not, Have you looked at yeah, his brackets? Do you know? Real do you know what uh what his matchups are? His pivotal yeah, so matchups. I I took a so I try not to put too much stock in in the way bracket is right now because that that kind of thing tends to change throughout well, the week. I, like, real quick before you go on, I want to give you my take on looking ahead at matchups. I feel like you look at the first pivotal matchup. Or wait, are you talking about like people switching bracket positions around? Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about oh, like okay, projected okay. matches. No, but I just think he's really solid, like, all around. He has great fundamentals. He has incredible lasers, like, pos great positional controls. He's just, like, a, he's very attentive. Like, he's just, he's he's the real deal. Like, he kind of reminds me of where, uh, like, if you talk to, like, I imagine talking to someone from Ohio or, like, from the Falco Discord or whatever about Flash is similar to if you talk to someone from Connecticut or New England about Ricky. Like, just incredibly talented players whose results may not always show it. And, and, and in the case of Flash, I mean, like, he, he basically has, like, one result over the last over the last year, which was a, a rollback rumble where he beat Komodo and then lost a Mott Money in Danny Phantom for, like, 65th place. So it's like, we didn't... Like, we, we learned something, but also not really. Yeah. So he, he's kind of just there as this, like... I think he's the ultimate wild card in this bracket, and there's a lot of them. Cool. I really like it. Um, yeah, I mean, Danny Phantom, Mott Money are a couple of cracked foxes. So, you know, those sets either go a different way, maybe he makes a different Yeah, exactly. Run. Yeah. That's like, really, it's not you know, a bad thing to lose. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, like, you, we, we talked about the idea of um, – like the the slippy the slippy grinders, right? The the people who really popped up um, and came to big prominence within the past year or so. Uh, I think Flash is like, for better or worse, he he is like the end game of that, right? He is like someone who, you know, he's not uh, Ben or he's not Logan or he's not all these people who we have verifiable results. He's just this person who like, here's a gif of him having a really good opening <laughs> versus PP. Here's a uh, gif of him lasering Polish in a very smart manner. <laughs> it's like what we have, we, we are like uncovering, we are archaeologists, we are uncovering the, the legend of, of Flash. Um, 
and yeah, we will see. You know, uh, Edwin's pretty right about bracket. Uh, I think a lot can change, and I think the bracket as it stands right now is really interesting. But I'm not sure if that's what we're gonna see. If it uh, if it does stand, you know, stay as it is, I think we can see him play Wizzy if he if he makes it out of his round one pool. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If I were there, uh, that would be. I would take a hundred to one bet on that. I'd bet on Flash. A <laughs> hundred yeah. to one is pretty pretty that's extreme. Pretty steep. That's, yeah, that's hundred to one. No one, knows to we... one on what point? Five five dollars. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on what bet it with. <laughs> yeah. Edwin uh, Ed, and I have talked about this. This uh, between you, me, and the listeners. This is how we're gonna make our money. I'm gonna see like Swedish Delight versus Mott Money, and I'm gonna be like, uh, "Hey, I'll, I'll take this Mott guy." <laughs> Little do they know. <laughs> Little do they know. Oh yes, uh, very good. But yeah, that Flash Flash would be a great pick for the uh, the melee stats uncut gems uh, scenario. You know who I want to ask about uh, with with you guys? I want to see how Ben does at this tournament. You know, this is someone who I think. I, if you want to talk about players that came out from the supposed middle of nowhere, I feel like Ben has to be one of the biggest winners of the net play era. And I and I think like when you look at some of his offline results, they're still really solid, but they're also like a bit up and down, just in my opinion. And I think that a uh, Riptide could be a really cool opportunity for Ben to like make his first land major top eight if everything goes right you know he he puts he pulls it together against fox and falco or maybe he gets a bracket of floaties and and does really well um at the same time you know there, there's just so many killers here and this is his first like land national after his big net play breakout so i'm curious to see how how he adjusts and how confident he is heading into this do you think that there's that players might feel extra pressure and since it is like the first open tournament, you know, the first big open tournament. Major, yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's like, there's been so much building up to it. And so many people feel, I feel like there's probably a lot of players who feel very confident in, you know, the improvements that they've made. And a lot of people are going to be very hungry to show it. Uh, there's going to be, you know, the unfortunate nature of a double elimination tournament is there's going to be a lot of, <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of uh, disappointed players at the end of the day who don't, you know, achieve the results that they... Mm -hmm that they want to but it's just going to be so so interesting to look at how some of these matchups you know first of all who end up ends up meeting to begin with and then you know how it plays out i think ben's a really interesting person to pick from this group that we're talking about um you know you look at the the people who attended summit and i do think that they are some of the most solid contenders for like biggest improvement through uh through slippy you know we're looking at aklo uh kadoran who was already top 100 but you know moving up from 70 to whatever you know top 30 top 25 level you want to call him right now is definitely a huge jump um and then someone like logan who obviously you know never been ranked top 100 just like aklo and is playing at, at such a high level i think ben was someone who you know eight three over h box right like that that was an incredible record that he had and he had a lot of good results um so a big question for a lot of people was you know could he be in this tier of players uh you know edwin alluded to some losses and and i do think that while he had some really great wins it wasn't out of the question to see him 
take an early loss or you know uh, bow out a bracket a bit earlier to, uh, to some upsets um, than you know some other people who we might have seen do really well in uh, during that this slippy era. That being said, we've seen Ben on on land and like I personally wasn't really sure of what we were going to see. But uh, Kid looks to be the real deal, right? Um, he got second to, to Ginger at a mm-hmm. hold at L, where he, he ended up beating Dreffen. He beat Polish. He beat people who uh, I think are, like, good gatekeepers, good, like, bellwethers for how good you are, right? Um, so this, uh, this is something where, in terms of Ben, I might not be necessarily saying, oh, is he going to make it to round two pools? But more... <laughs> You know, uh, I, I think he's got a high seed. I think he's done really well. Uh, and it's just, it's up to, like, can he hit that seed? You know, his bracket, if you look at it, uh, if it doesn't change, he's got killers in it. Uh, he's got, like, Tyler Swift, who uh, similarly a person who did really well online and has been proving it kind of on the low on and LAN events, but, uh, but has yet to show it at a big major. And then uh, if he makes it to Logan... Like that, dude. That is a, a matchup that we have yet to see at this level on land. I'm not even sure if they've ever played on land. Yeah, like Ben. Ben is a really interesting pick to talk about this tournament. Yeah, I think the the, the thing it, just in in addition to uh, finishing second at hold that L. You know, he he hasn't been totally impervious in Minnesota, but like it. But you know, for a state that has a lot of really good mid-level players like preeminent joey donuts and whatnot the fact that ben say his name 100 grand yeah well 100 grand is going to make us 100 grand we we could (laughs) we could talk about this we could talk about this forever you're gonna buy a yacht name it 100 grand yeah but as far as active players in minnesota (laughs) are are concerned you know ben has still proven himself as by far the best region in, in this or best player in the state, and I feel like that's not an accomplishment we we can just like gloss over. It, it's it's not as if he only wins and never drops sets or finish finishes less than first. But I, I think that's an accomplishment that's worth like citing within his favor, alongside obviously performing well at hold that L. And I and like Wheat is saying, I'm really curious to see how Ben did, you know, does against other people like him. Like we like like we you talked about Logan, but like I want to you know near the end of their time playing each other online, like in recent times, you know Ben used to struggle with Ginger. Then he started taking sets here here and there from him. I want to see if he has something new in store for him. If if they play again mm. at at this tournament, I want to see how Ben. You know even I mean even Ben Axe. You know this is we're talking about like like I was talking about how Axe is one of the players who declined the most on uh, online. And who I want to see if you know if that has any grain of truth to it offline. Ben is the you know Ben Ben is the opposite. So you know if those two meet in bracket, this is a what like top fifty bare minimum chic player against a decline against you know someone we mostly consider a top ten player until recently. Like that, I think that's a really that's another fascinating matchup that could happen in this bracket. I think it's fair to say that. Uh we can assign different ranges to what we expect out of players and that Ben's range has definitely uh, is, you know, his floor placing that we would expect from him or, you know, that we would anything under it that we would consider an upset is now much higher than it used to be. And we expect him to, you know, reach for those top eights at this point too. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the way that I first knew about Ben, and, and I think that the way that a lot of people first really, you know, heard Ben's name uh, was at a Smash and Splash event. You know, I believe it was Smash and Splash 4 where he ended up taking a set off of Absent Page, mm -hmm. the, you know, the number one in Minnesota at the time. Yeah. Um, I think he lost to him in Losers to, to make it out, but uh, but still really impressive. Hey, if we want to talk about Casper's ability, you know, when it comes to proximity to water, we got to talk about Ben, I guess. Maybe he has a pool in his house. Who knows? But whatever it is, his uh, his online results have been very, very good. But if we, I think, you know, if we're going to talk about Ben's performance here, we have to talk about the uh, <clears throat> gotta talk about the big one, right? If he beats Logan, fall goes to plan. We will see him versus uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Not Kells. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not Kells, but... Uh, but <laughs> But someone who, who might be a little more imposing than Kels. Uh, let's talk about HBox here. So yeah, let's. We do all this, right? We go through 18 months of, of a pandemic. And we go through over 12 months of, uh, of Slippy. And we go through a transformative experience both in Melee and in our lives. And, and I think that we come out of quarantine and the pandemic... Um, not that it's over, but I, I think we we've come out of it uh, feeling different about how we view things. Now, that being said, Hungrybox is still first seed. <laughs> all, all that happened, and nope. and the first major back, the first <laughs> open major, all we needed was one invitational, and uh, and suddenly he is he is back. It makes you feel like none of this ever happened. I know, right? So I I think he I mean. He is the question here, right? Like, we talk about how Summit was this funny thing of a lot of the people who felt great online really proved that, but the people who didn't do too well online didn't really affect them. Um, I mean, this is going to be, like, a big show of it because as opposed to something like Summit, you know, uh, Edwin and I would talk about how Hungrybox did pretty well versus the tier of players that were, you know, uh, at, like, a Summit-level event, uh, regardless of how much he was holding in in, like, top 24 of east coast fridays like if you put him against sfat he'd do really well um but now we're gonna see an open event you know this is uh if it stands this could be a scary bracket for him we are seeing a lot of people who gave him trouble during the uh during the online years and i think it's gonna be it's gonna be a big showing for both his opponents to show that you know a set online was not a fluke but it's gonna be a big showing the other way for hbox to prove that he's still in contention for number one you know, he's still a top five player. He's still someone who uh, is really a force to be reckoned with. Um, Webs, what do you think going into this event? What are your thoughts on HBox? Uh, I feel like HBox. I feel like there is, uh, you know, it's it's really hard to get into what his perspective is, because he achieved so much with his reign as the number one melee player. Um, that I feel like he has this almost like self confidence in himself now that like he doesn't feel like like a pressure uh to not like you know buster out or like lose or like you know have one tournament you know fall not his way um that like it's not like there's a pressure on him i don't feel like he's gonna like feel pressure or play worse or anything mm -hmm. that that like he's like oh you know i'm the one seed i feel like he he you know probably he thrives under that environment really um, mm -hmm. It really is just going to come down to like whether or not he stands up next to his opponents when he plays. 
you know, whether he takes advantage of the fact that he is now in person in an open bracket again, you know, will he be that imposing H box that we, you know, used to see? Will he put the headphones in? Will he juke a little bit? Only time will. I, I am hoping that we see. So obviously summit, you know, kind of answered a couple of these questions, but, uh, you know, we would see HBox pop off a lot online. I don't think this is news to anyone. I think this is well known. Um, but Summit, you know, didn't answer all of our questions because a lot of the pop-offs we saw weren't versus top 20-level players. It was, uh, you know, narrowly 3 one someone who's maybe fifth on their state PR. Yeah. Uh, and this is our first time that we're going to see this. So I got to say, I am I am ready to see HBox in round two pools. You know, he gets maybe one match goes to, like, game two goes to... Uh, two stocks or something like that. You know, HBox only has two stocks at the end of it. I'm willing to see, like, is he going to, is he going to pop off in front of this person who's right in front of him? Is he going to yell? Is he going to shake him? Or like, what? What? You, you think he'll scream so loud that he faints in person? He could. It'd be a good bit. <laughs> it uh, would, actually. I would. I mean, you mentioned he thrives in this environment. Yeah, dude, his, his resting heart rate is like 200 BPM. We, he, <laughs> he had that heart monitor on one time and it was literally going down and he was, as he was like drinking iced coffee, uh, he's like literally pumping caffeine into him and his heart rate was going down. Like th- this man operates exactly on a level that we about. cannot understand. Um, yeah. I, I mean, if we talk about people who are going to feel pressure at this event, I don't think it's H box. No, no. I mean, I'm stoked to see him in an open bracket again. I, I do think we'll see him in top eight. You know, it's a, it's a complete toss-up whether we'll see him in winners or losers. Edwin? I think that the HBOX we saw at Summit, I think it's worth noting how, like, you know, we alluded to this before, but I, I want to, like, really dive into this. There were so many people that HBOX beat at Summit who, like, not only, like, would have been scary for HBOX in rollback circumstances, but who actually outright beat him and fairly convincingly. Like, for, like, maybe this is overreacting to just one event on LAN, but I feel like the significance of HBOX just beating, like, Amsa, Kadoran, Toussaint, Moki, and IBDW all in a row, like, if he beat any of those players on rollback, it would have mm-hmm. been like, oh, wow, like, HBOX did that. The fact that he did it on LAN is just, like, to me, I think that makes, like, the, that performance is such an aberration from his normal range of results online that it makes me not see him necessarily as vulnerable versus the field as I imagined him to be before on rollback. But what I will say is that in spite of of you know maybe beating someone like IBW at Summit, or um, or taking Wizzy very close in their in their last set, I do think that he still has a bit of a mountain to climb against those two, and I think that because like, while I think that like there certainly is a difference between land hungry box and rollback hungry box overall, you know like if you watch those sets even on rollback where he was playing against opponents that he fully respects or knows that he has that he can't like coast against you know there are glimpses of the old age box in there and like and i i don't think like like to me it doesn't seem inconceivable that 
six sets or whatever where IBDW beat him on rollback just doesn't count at all because he beat him once on land. But I, but like it, it also feels weird because it, it feels like I'm applying a sec a double standard for like collections of IBDW victories on rollback that I wouldn't necessarily to like a two saint victory on rollback over each. You know what I mean? Like it still feels like he's disfavored against those two. This is why I don't pay attention to online results. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's yeah, like well, when you I, try I to really you. like quantify and be like, well, or I this, you. you know, it's like eke out the percentage of how much it matters and then you weight it per player and then well this tournament is a weekly and like yeah. like dude is bzim scary for him <laughs> on land i, I don't know <laughs> like, like i i like it, it's a big it question. seems different it seems different but it seems fundamentally different but like you know if bzim beats him am i am i supposed to be like super surprised i, I don't it's it's so weird <laughs> I, I have a question uh, do you guys know what the um, the like uh, the pool schedule, like how the the structure of the format for Riptide progresses? You I know, think, off the top um, of your head, I think is they're going like... to do. Uh, you know, Shine did this one year, I believe, uh, or Shine maybe did it multiple years. Who is to say? Uh, I, I believe it's going to be one of those things where you finish your round one, and then they try to run pretty quickly into round two, and then we're going to see a lot of like bracket progression. Um, it might end up being a little staggered until we get to the to later stages, which, uh, I mean, if we're talking about an event that has, you know, who, who knows how many entrants it's going to end up being, but uh, but I believe it's like at 600-some entrants. Yeah, um, seven, 743 is what I'm seeing here. That's like 600-something. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot, I mean, yeah. It, it'll definitely be really cool for them to prioritize, you know, uh, the experience of, of in-tournament people. Um because I don't know. I mean, I think that there's a lot of people who, when you're playing slippy tournaments or something like that, you know, you might not be ready for the uh, major experience. And then I think for a lot of good players, the major experience might just be like, all right, he, you beat three people who uh, who aren't extremely great. Now wait four hours, and then you'll uh, you'll yeah. have some real matches. And then yeah, so I, I think it's gonna be super sick for them to to have a, a really cool like bracket where you know. The players are are put maybe before, not I want to say before the stream because the stream's still obviously going to have great events. Um, but yeah, it, it's just cool to see uh, see a bracket like that and see people try to innovate with what we currently know as like the traditional bracket structure. Yeah, I mean, I was curious primarily about that too. Um, well, in addition to the to the you know placing player experience first, but um, you know I think this the scheduling for an event also will affect a lot of players for you know having to deal with tournament endurance mm -hmm. like and i'm not you know playing in an all-day net play tournament i feel like it, it requires its own kind of an endurance as well because like you know it's not like you can do other things throughout the day you kind of have to commit your day to playing in yeah. a tournament you're doing a lot of waiting uh the difference is that you can just warm up the entire time and like you can constantly stay warm and stay in your environment um so uh i think with that schedule it will help players a bit um as far as you know not necessarily having that huge marathon where they'll be be running like sometimes how big houses can sometimes be uh <laughs> big houses uh you know you can start yep. your day at 10 a.m and uh if you make it all the way to the top eight you could be there until 9 p.m or something it's the nature of the beast when you when you reach for for such heights you know you have such large 
several so many different large events that you're all trying to accommodate it can be very difficult. Yeah. So. I mean, if we want to talk about the beauty of Smash being something where you could literally, you know, it could be your first tournament. You could sit down. You could play Mango as your first opponent. Uh, the flip side to that is you might be plup and have to play Bananas at 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is very That's possible. Very true. Uh, Edwin, what are your thoughts on uh, everything? Well, I wanted to say one last thing about HBox. I feel like if HBox runs into someone that, like, beat him on online he's not gonna get caught off guard by them right like i feel like if you know maybe this is like a little mind ready like i'm sure every good player does this sort of thing but it it feels especially true with hbox that like if he knows that you can beat him in some form out of the game he's not gonna like get caught off guard by you right like he's like like he'll take that seriously and Mm -hmm. come back with an adjustment or something you've heard my theory about hbox uh I got a lot of theories about HBox, so I should be more specific. <laughs> yeah, you yeah well, you're always cor- you're always correct about HBox. You have a <laughs> you have a deep psychic bond with with him. Hey, is Crunch going to be at this tournament? Is he going to have uh, the Crunch coach? I think is Crunch is thing? Crunch is walking around like main college <laughs> campuses wearing his uh, his team liquid jersey. Yeah, he's hitting the old stomping grounds. <laughs> so I, I don't really know. Who knows? He's on his own little life journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but the theory in question, the one of many HBox theories, I, I think, like, if you watch him play uh, at a, uh, you know, hey, to talk about pools, like, that, this is a little scary for him. Uh, I don't know. It, you see him in, like, early round two pools or something like that, maybe, you know, top 64. Uh, I, I definitely think that if you look at his player cam, Sometimes the emotions that you see are like distinctly different than what's going on in the game. Like, uh, I think HBox is like outwardly pretty quick to emote and like maybe play in a way where maybe appear in a way that like seems frustrated, but then you look at him play and he's like still ice solid. Ice solid. Uh, solid as a rock. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I'm not like saying that he does this on purpose, but I think it's this weird distinction of like seeing the the human like emote really hard and like appear frustrated, and then seeing the the player like the what's actually happening on screen, and literally nothing looks different. Yeah. Uh, dude, if you took some sets where he like probably three would someone, if you just looked at the player cam, I think you would, you would come up with a different result. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, that's the strength of uh. You can do a lot of stuff in person that you couldn't do. Uh, maybe that's the difference. I think that's enough HBox talk. Yeah, why don't we talk about the other people who could win the event? Because I think the... Um, you know, we talked a bit about the sleeper players. We talked a bit about the people who could potentially make top eight with the right bracket. We talked a lot about HBox. Uh, I feel like IBDW, Wizrobe, and Plup to round out the top four... It's a very interesting like quartet. Is that it? Yeah, it's a, yes. it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting group of four players that I think to look at, especially because this is a national that doesn't have Mango or Zane, but it still feels like it carries big states because of the presence of these four. So um, I, I want to start with you, Wheat. How do you feel like the dynamic is like just assuming that all of these four players make it to their side of winners top eight? Assuming that's the case, or that they play at some point in bracket, how do you see kind of their head-to-heads going? 
Yeah, I mean, this is... We talked about HBox being the number one seed. Uh, but this is something where, like, something goes differently uh, at Summit or, you know, if another tournament happened beforehand. Like, I don't think any of this is set in stone. We could see we could see Plup do better. We could see IBW do better. Um, Axe, obviously, someone who we haven't really seen a ton of, but uh, did decent at Smash 7-11 to an extent. So... I don't know. It's it's such a tough thing to say because as it right now, the group is pretty malleable. Like we could see, I could see any of these players taking it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Cody is a great one to look at. He is someone who, it's not a situation like we talk about for some of the slippy people where he has to prove himself. Um, a lot of Cody's career has been like proving himself, and uh, I I think that he's been doing a pretty good job with that. But it's a different different level now, right? I, you know, IBW has proved himself as a top 10 player, and now we've seen him do really, really well online. So now he is, you know, it's time to for us to see, is this someone who could win a major? Is this someone who, you know, is able to beat HBox and Plup and this whole area consistently? Um, so that, that, I think, is really interesting to see. He's the type of player who, if you were to compare him to what he was before, I think he was a player who could beat all these people individually but would have a hard time stringing it together but i mean for something like this i think no no one is like specifically uh, unbeatable for him i think he does really well against hbox online and i think that even though he lost the set versus him at summit i think he can still do well um i think he's one of the scarier people for plup i think you know it depends on which plup we see but yeah, I, I really think that if all goes to plan, um, I think Cody, this is a group of players who he could do really, really well against. Some of the scariest people for him are not at this event. I think even though he's playing some of the top players, I, I like don't feel scared. Yeah, we I concur with everything you said. I actually picked IBW as my choice to win Riptide precisely. Right, spoiler. For, <laughs> for the reasons that you bring up. I do want to mention one thing with IBDW, though. While I agree that his overall trend seems to be very positive against Wizrobe, um, Hungrybox, and Plup, I've heard this exact argument before about having a, a, a positive matchup spread against the top and against most of the field. In fact, I've heard it with another Fox numerous times on past iterations of this show, and of deep dives and of the their old melee stats podcast and i wonder if ibw in america is just our place our new placeholder now as leffen sits away in europe as we look at all the numbers we say this has to be it this has to be the time <laughs> when ibw his matchup spread is so good and then you know what might happen maybe ginger runs into him early catches ibw not playing great Maybe the swoop, even you know, we saw the swooper uh, beat him at a relatively low stakes, but still prominent net play regional. I don't think that could happen again. But you know, even you know, like even Logan and Kadoran are not cakewalks for IBW. Even if we think IBW is a stronger player and favored, you know that those aren't cakewalk matchups for him to get through. You know, there there are a lot of scary people in bracket who, while I don't think IBW is disadvantaged against. You know, we, we've seen a similar story of this happen with Leffen before. Would it really be surprising if IBW was in loser's top eight or or if he 
or if, or if he got sent to losers early and had to play someone scary. I don't know. No. Look, I have a long history of seeing Leffen lose to a lot of people and then saying he'll beat them next time. <laughs> Look, has he lost to this person ten times in a row? Yes, but this is not indicative of what will happen in the future. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the biggest answer to that is I'm not sure if IBW, despite how well he's been doing over the past few years, I'm not sure if he has earned that uh, that confidence uh, if, if the results say different, right? Yeah, in the future maybe, because uh, we've seen a lot of players who are able to play at a high level. Um, but he's breaking into that level where he's been doing it for long enough, being top ten for a few years, where uh, that's becoming you know someone who uh, might be might be more than a passing fad. Not to not to call out the like s fats and west balls of the world. Well. Maybe to call out one of those two. Yeah, um, but leave S Fat alone. <laughs> yeah, I think there's He's a the lot of players who find their way game. into the top ten, and they do really well, and they stick there. And I think that that's kind of where IBW is right now, right? He's in the moment where he's sticking there, and uh, it's the big crossroads. It's that, uh, you know, your your top top eight for two years. Do you go uh, become top five, or do you become thirteenth in the world perennially? Well, he, he's anchored himself pretty firmly in that top ten, mm-hmm. though. I feel absolutely, like. yeah, yeah, for sure. He's definitely, he's definitely hammered those spikes deep into the earth. You know, he's tied down. Um, you know, it's. I was taking a look at some of the, looking across, you know, the top seeds, and I think that there's maybe like four or five people who I could see winning the event. I feel like IBDW is my second pick. Um in like kind of an obvious way you know what edwin brought up definitely if you just look at it stat wise uh you both i guess you're both talking about it um hbox is is who i think will take the event um he's my pick to win uh i think plup is you know probably he's i would say he's third most likely in my in my eyes um it really depends on how how we see him play plup is is a player who can hit such a level so I, I really do hope that we are able to see him, you know, bring that top plup. Um, Wizrobe is actually someone who I feel like I might usually, in the past, I might have picked Wizrobe in this situation. Um, but uh, I just feel like uh, IBW has been really chomping at the bit. He, you know, he's one of the guys who's been um, maybe at the forefront of really pushing his place in Melee. You know, he's... He's streaming so consistently. He's trying to like be a little bit of a content creator now, and he's pushing himself in the game super hard as well. Um, I feel like that between him, Hbox, Plup, and Wizard, that I would probably put Wizard, you know, below all of them as far as likelihood right now. And then my fifth person who I'm going to pick would be, I think that, or no, well, maybe I'll go with six then, because I'll go five. I could see Ginger winning it. Six would be uh, S Fat. I want to say S Fat avoids some horrible matchups doesn't have to play hbox and uh maybe puts it away i don't know I, well I think let me find your path been... for ginger what is ginger's path i mean i haven't looked at the bracket no but hypothetically like what would what would he? uh i think hypothetically ginger avoids captain falcon um plays a really solid set against hbox and takes the tournament damn very no, funny that uh, I guess that's that falcon like is crazy. a scary matchup yeah, I feel like Ginger's 
like I don't know what it is about that matchup, but uh, if he has to play more than one Falcon, I feel like the odds are that he ends up in losers. I think it just but might even be... like Ginger against like S Fat or something. Like that's a pretty favorable matchup for him. Yeah, right? we can and see no, Ginger. Ginger is not too crazy. No, totally not. Yeah, I Ginger Plup definitely. I can see him winning. I think that he has to play super well against H Fox, but he can totally do it. I think I he think... needs Plup to go Fox though. I I think the Sheik the Sheik kind of kind of washed him. He yeah he needs Plup to okay here's the scenario um right. plop just loses to hbox uh game five uh, and he is emo in losers and he's like i'm just still gonna go fox and he's gonna lose <laughs> and and we're gonna be like we're gonna have a post show about this you know post waiting for game uh the next week is gonna be like well i don't know i think if plop didn't go emo i think he could win uh but yeah, that would be the situation where there should be most favorable for ginger if you were to play plop was to for plop to immediately lose to hbox uh i feel like this is something that uh is an insult to both plop and ginger somehow but uh i think that that would be what we would need to see could happen though you know i want to hear i want to hear uh your thoughts on one one thing webs you spoke quite favorably and positively about um about Plup before, what do you think Plup's biggest challenge is heading into this bracket? Um, I feel like with Plup, it's a lot to do just with momentum. You know, he's talked about controller issues uh, as part of the reason why he wasn't playing rollback tournaments, as far as I was concerned, or as far as what I what I recall. I might actually be wrong about that now that Well, let it. me be more specific. Uh, which player do you think Plup does like? Oh. Which player or players do you think Plup would not be favored against? Yeah, answer the question correctly, please. I, well, I, I, well, I was too I didn't really You're not allowed. The question You're correctly. not allowed to be esoteric. <laughs> so, wait. Sorry. We interrupted a little bit there. What was the question again? That's the show. Oh, no, no, I was I was asking about which players do you think would give Plup a cha- like a a tough like a more like, like, who do you think he would not want to play, if 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 that was like what he was? I mean, about. it's IBW Hbox are the big two. Um, I think that there's a potential for him to maybe get swiped by like Kot Kadoran. Uh, Kadoran could be a potential upset, but I maybe a, a Sheik. I don't know if his Fox is playing well, then I don't think he's gonna lose like Ben or something. I think um, S-Fat would be really tough for him. S-Fat was the, the other one that I was going to bring up, too. I mean, I I just believe in S-Fat. I think that S-Fat is well-positioned to do well at this event. Um, he's been, like, low-key grinding. He's been... <laughs> I mean, he's. I feel like S-Fat's somebody who's always low-key grinding, you know? Mm-hmm. But... Um, look, Just looking at the names across the board... And, of course, S-Fat could always lose early. Most likely outcome for S-Fat, I would say, would be ninth. But also could win the event so good range for him i think first and ninth yeah i mean could do worse yeah a lot of people could do worse than that yeah i think s kind of a funny person kind of you know if we wanted to mention his clg teammate in the long history of ninth place pupu yeah. i think uh s kind of nudging his way into ninth place s fat um, <laughs> i hope not that's yeah, a sad I mean, place like, to be i, I, I always I, felt so bad for, for pupu over the years every time he got ninth again <laughs> People I mean, would I just like keep losing with... the axe and Amsa. It was so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> like those sta- those and I was a Marth people... player back then too, so I was like, yeah. I felt it. Or Shroomed. Hard. Or Shroomed would beat him. It's like oh, three yeah. guys keep beating him. Yeah. 
bad times. Uh, I don't know. I think pretty highly of SFAT in terms of, even though I already made fun of him today um, by comparing him to West Balls, uh, I, I think pretty highly of him. He is someone who, uh, you know, I mentioned maybe if you were to have, like, open travel, um, if, if everyone were to be able to, to play uh, at these big events, you know, maybe is he top 10? I don't think he's definitive. Um, but he is someone who I think is, is still consistent, is still a grinder in terms of North America, which is what we're seeing here. Um, yeah, dude, he is he is really one of those players. You know, I would probably put him like ginger level, maybe axe level, depending on what axe level might be. Um, and I think that, that that's a level that could do really, really well here. And, you know, you want to mention how he's scary for Plup? Yeah, like that is, uh, I think he, that's one of the bigger things that Plup has to face. Um I want to do what I did before. I might, I might still say it. I, I predicted Plup to win Summit because it was a fun prediction. Um, I'm thinking this is going to be a little tougher for him because it's the the momentum that he has to deal with, and, and it's just like a lot of these uh, tournament runs become a balancing game. I think for Plup, I mean, it's just like we talk about what it means to play a open bracket tournament. It's just like it's more than just playing what happens in the game itself between you know it's it's the endurance of the entire day um and i think that might hurt plop more than uh some other players who are in this tier yeah he's we never saw... really been a fan of long days at all who is not <laughs> true but he's a vocal one about it true um so yeah i mean we saw him do really well at summit but uh fourth place at summit it's definitely something that uh you know, fourth place at a at a player focused small invitational might not necessarily lead me to believe that he's about to win this seven hundred person tournament. Um, you know what? I will uh, I will pivot my my prediction. I'm going to say Wizrobe. He is someone who I forgot to mention, <laughs> uh, and and I think I can only make it up by by predicting a win. Um, someone who has definitely shown like the the grasp of like you know top three in the world like this uh one set away in my mind from being number one on the uh summer rank back in 2019 Mm -hmm. i think he's someone who has shown the the capability of being the best in the world which is uh, a title that i think very few people have held in melee um the the thing with him was it was if you want to talk about balancing game yeah that was like really apparent for him with uh 64 and and ultimate stuff like that um and now we are, we're probably not going to see him entering a lot of tournaments uh events at this tournament um and i think we could see we could see a group of players who could be really uh doable for him it's not the not the best you know obviously plop for any Captain Falcon is going to be a very scary thing, but we've seen him do it before. Uh, he doesn't have Mango here, even though we've, we've seen him, you know, end up taking a set at a SCL, but uh, like Mango was always going to be scary for Wizzy. Like if he gets to a situation where he plays Hbox in grands, like we could see a repeat of the last smash and splash. I would not be surprised. And that would be a fun one to watch too. Edwin, uh- your eyes bugged out when I said Wizro. <laughs> well, you uh, think... you look like a cartoon character. Yeah, I don't think it's that that a uh, cartoon. Well, I think a, uh, uh, an answer. I think having a very good head to head and good chances against the number one seed can get you very far, right? 
So in that sense, I think being favored against Hungrybox at the meetup is is a thing that qualifies Wizard for this conversation. But I think, like, I know he has beaten Plup before, but if you saw their last set and you saw their exhibition, like their first to five, that did not look close. And, like, when you consider the lifetime trajectory, like, even when Wizard was really good, of just Plup mercilessly beating him down. It's like, it's going to take, like, Plup would, I'm not saying it's impossible, but, like, I think having a heavily disadvantaged head-to-head like that and also having to, you know, deal with IBDW, who's kind of had Wizard's number in recent times, like, I think I think having to overcome those two to get to Hbox, who might, might be in Grand's, let alone like the rest of this horrifying or this terrifying field is a bit of a is a bit of an ask for wizard i almost feel like still out there (laughs) i almost feel like zane not being here weirdly hurt wizard yeah yeah for sure (laughs) i mean he's like the only player you could say that about (laughs) zane's like like, (laughs) it is very strange zane can pick up a lot of the the trash around wizard's bracket uh in a way that like IBW doesn't really benefit from from Zane. <laughs> that's a very funny way of putting. I I didn't even think of it. I I was thinking in terms of head to head, but that's very true. We the IBW or that Zane can get rid of a ton of these spaces. Like well, it goes really both efficient. ways, right? Because he, he yeah. does well against him and you know dispatches. Mm-hmm. You know. So Zane not being here, that's actually hilarious. Yeah, sorry, Zane's not here, so I don't think Wizzy's gonna win. It's a symbiotic relationship that they <laughs> yeah. have. They you know what, other. Edwin? I, I got a little uh, bone to pick with with you getting on my case about saying Wizzy when you said IBUW. I feel like these are both the same level of pick. No, I well. No, I, I picked I IBW, they... but but I mentioned all the points that could go against IBW because it does sound eerily familiar to all the times that you and I and uh, and sometimes even Webs uh, talked about le- left. It did. The conversation definitely felt Webs like it was good. That. <laughs> Webbs is a level-headed man. He doesn't get tricked by the smoke and mirrors of a tall Swedish fox player. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna see like uh, I'm gonna use Leffen's Guilty Gear online win and be like, here's why he's gonna get first at uh, you know, Smash Summit 12. <laughs> You'll figure out some way to make it. That it's my whole of... career. This is a career, by the way. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that the the entire field here, right? If we want to talk about the top four seeds, uh, I think Wizard, I think Plup, um, you know, IBW, Hbox. I think all of these players are scary for each other. I think they all could be really dominant against each other. Uh, like, I, it's one of those things where we could see three O's in either way from from almost any of these players, uh, which is a really interesting bracket to see back. Like, this is not something where I, I think, like, uh, Summit was really great because it had everyone there, but I also do think it was kind of like a who-can-beat-Zane mentality. Um, and while we saw, like, the greatest set of all time come from that, I, I do think that uh, the mentality going into who's going to win Riptide is a little different in a, in a pretty interesting way because we... It's not really who can beat Hbox, even though Hbox is the number one seed. It's, like, who wins? Um, and this is something that... I think Smash, uh, Melee, I guess. Uh, I think Melee is like, doesn't always have. Uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of times we'll we have go to a lot of gatekeepers. Event. 
Yeah, it, it's a mm-hmm. lot of times where we like say, okay, you know, uh, you can only win if you're the top three seeds, and even then, it's you're basically gonna have to beat the number one seed. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah, yeah. You have to reach this level, and then I mean, really, you're not really on this <laughs> level. You know, <laughs> that's usually historically that's that's usually how it ends up going. Yeah. And I All think right. we got a cool event here. You know, we we have we mentioned those players. Webb said Ginger for some reason. I, I don't know why he said that, <laughs> but it was cool. Um, yeah, dude, that this is kind of like an open playing field. Um, Edwin, what's up? So just to be clear, my pick is IBW. Wheat's pick is Wizrobe, and Webb's pick is Hungry Boxer. Right? Yeah. I you okay. pick Ginger. <laughs> No, 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 no. Ginger was okay, my Ginger so... was my my outside outside pick. That's why oh, was my outside pick. That's why was my outside pick, and Ginger was my outside outside pick. So here's okay. a question I have for both of you: What result or outcome from this tournament, outside of like a bunch of people getting COVID and like something like, as far as the actual results of the bracket go, what yeah. would be the most unsatisfying or the most like? the most anticlimactic or disappointing result from this tournament like single result like single yes. performance by a player uh it could be a set it could just be like how the tournament turn general vibe of how the tournament goes out uh, hmm. yeah this is a, a new segment that i think edwin's been trying to run and it generally just turns <laughs> into him like free associating really bad ways for hbox to win but uh mm. I, I dig it so uh, yeah, Webs, if you want to play along to this fantasy, uh... thank you, thank you. You're so fun. <laughs> All right, great, let's, great let's yes see, let's see, let's see. What about um, probably the worst thing that could happen would be Zamu outside top sixty-four. Yeah, probably. Agreed. Uh, that would be bad. That would be horrible. I, ugh. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> let's not talk about it further. <laughs> It would be upsetting. Edwin, Edwin, why would you bring, why would you cast such a cloud over this podcast? Well, I was just thinking about how my initial prediction for Summit was that HBox was like, when everyone was excited for HBox to return on LAN, that my prediction was that like, he'd get seventh, but like, he'd beat all the same people that he beat online and only lose to like, Mango and IBDW or something. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering. Yeah. I was trying to think if there was something similar to that. With I expect that though. Like I wouldn't be disappointed by that because it's what I, I feel like that's gonna happen already. Okay. Personally. Well, like, what? Wouldn't, well, wouldn't you be disappointed like that you didn't? That's learn the thing. You can't be new. disappointed if you expect it, right? Yeah. No expectations. I, 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 don't, uh, I, I think don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure if I agree with that statement, but yeah, I don't think I. I'll talk about it's okay. This was not a very talk. good segment. We 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 can move on. Well, how, how about this? Uh, what what about uh, Hbox gets first place in ultimate? I would Did be he enter ultimate. He, uh, I'm pretty sure he entered ultimate. He's also going to be. He's also commentating top eight, right? He is part of the top eight tricast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they I feel like. Uh, Brolt players always come up with terms for everything. It's like uh, a play, a char- two groups of characters exist. Like you know, they're it's like they're like Pac-Man and Kazuya, and they're like, oh yeah, you're talking about uh, Namcoies, Namies or something. Like they always <laughs> come up with like random terms, and then you're like, what is this? Uh, it's like yeah, yeah. I think Pac-Man is the best of the Namies. Um, so I- I'm interested to see what they call Coney, TK, and Hbox because everything oh. in-, in the has post- to be a portmanteau. Brawl- it's got to be, yeah, it's good. 
hungry cone, uh, ice cream cone. Someone's oh, hungry, yeah. eat ice cream cone. TK breezy, breeze cold. Ice cream is cold. I think they're gonna be called the <laughs> ice cream men. <laughs> <laughs> the ice cream truck, something like that. The um, the freeze boys. They usually just put boys at the end of something, don't they? True. Like that's pretty PK common. freeze boys. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think Hbox getting first place in ultimate and also getting first place in melee, but no one cares would be like very, very funny. That would be, <laughs> we, we're trying to have like a conversation about this afterwards and everyone goes in the chat. They're like, did they mention Hbox winning ultimate yet? <laughs> did, uh, I think we is... would change our jobs to ultimate stats if that happens. <laughs> ultimate yeah, dude. Stats. Yeah, right. I have to figure out all these acronyms. People are talking about like, uh. Oh, yeah, did you hear uh, MSF did really well at this tournament? Oh, yeah, and uh, Fatality's tweeting. He's like, yeah, I think Kazuya is the worst of FP2. And I'm just like, <laughs> what is all this? And They're then the time you, you. you think you figure it out, and then they start calling Pyra and Mithra Aegis. And it's like, what is Aegis? Or Aegis, in the, the words of uh, <laughs> E-Pengu. <laughs> the elemental penguin himself. Um, but yeah, in, until, uh, until we have to become ultimate stats, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with all of our choices in terms of winner. Uh, you know what? I long for the days when we can get back to picking Hbox as a winner and not feel like we are doing the easy thing. Um, quite a world we're living in. So, uh, yeah, dude, Riptide, uh... Riptide is going to be uh, a pretty amazing thing. I'm really excited to see what comes out of it. Um, yeah, dude, I, I am so pumped for this tournament. We are going to see uh, some pretty cool stuff here. And uh, speaking of pretty cool stuff, Webs, we got some questions for you. So each <laughs> each week, we uh, we ask our patrons for, for questions to ask our, our guest. And... Um, each week as well, I, I make fun of our patrons for coming up with bad ones. So what do we get this week? Uh, uh, I'm going to ask one from PTAS. Uh, so what is your favorite web theme smasher tag, and who is your favorite web theme smasher? Two-part question. Uh, my favorite web-themed smash tag? Yes. And favorite web-themed smasher? Correct. Wouldn't that be the same? Not necessarily. I guess, yeah, because it's more about the person and then the tag. You can I like see. someone's tag and not like them as a person. Web-themed. Um, uh, I, I can't even think of Was it somebody like a spider tag or something? Spider-sense. Spider-sense. Ganon player, right? Yeah, are you going to yeah, pick a Ganon, Ganon player? <laughs> it's the only one I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> um, web theme. What else is, what, what else is like web? Web feet? Duck, duck, duck oh, is the answer okay. to both. Oh my god, ducks have webbed feet, and I love duck both as That's a good individual answer. and I love uh, the tag duck. Four letter That's tags good, are great. This is some good free association. Yeah, it's the only way to should, answer a question like that. <laughs> we should pay you for some uh, improv classes. <laughs> <laughs> Webs, I have another question for me from Melee Stats patron Seal. Um, what are some things that you notice today's active commentators doing right or wrong, especially compared to the years in which you were more active? 
Um. Hmm. Well, I'll say I didn't listen to a ton of online commentary over uh, the course of rollback tournaments. Um, I did a little bit like very early on where I commentated some of the of Brandon's rollback rollback rumbles. Um, but like very quickly, I was like, I, you know, I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, you know, it's such a different vibe commentating online and like listening to other people commentate online too, is like kind of a frustrating experience because it's a bit disjointed, um, more used to like the more natural flow that comes when someone's sitting next to another person and they can more easily use, you know, their physical presences to enhance their ability to communicate and, you know, not stumble over each other, just very basic things that really go, you know, the length when it comes to like listening to commentary. Um, but I think in general that commentators and like the scene as a whole has just gotten like the level of knowledge that we've built up about the game has just reached like this, this, this like fundamental understanding for players. Once they reach, you know, once they've been in the scene for a few years or not, you know, it's even shorter these days because we have so many resources uh, where people can, you know, learn and, and understand the way the game works. Um, so when people, you know, talk about the game on commentary, people just do a general better job of like saying things that are like correct or, you know, talking uh, in a more intelligent way about the game in general. Um, I think that where it, you know, a lot of people still fall short and where they can improve is where they relate it to what's actually happening on screen. Um, uh, you know, you can take that knowledge and you can say like, well, in this matchup, this is, you know, how you want to approach it, you know, this character, typically struggles in these situations but to be able to in real time as a set progresses point them out point out adjustments that happen and uh kind of you know make it more of a narrative and guide the viewer you know if they watch the whole set you know you can re reference things that you talked about previously in the matchup you know things that you've noticed um it's i've never been somebody who's been like insanely like good or knowledgeable about the game but like just by paying attention when i watch it you know it's pretty easy to pick up certain patterns and when you you're actually watching gameplay unfold and you can see what's happening and just putting in that extra effort to pay specific attention make notes of things and like you know make reference of them to just kind of like make it more of a complete experience uh you know it's something that people can always work on it's not like i'm amazing at it but it's what i strive to you know improve at my commentary and what i've always tried to do well so i think that you know melee commentary in general is just you know more listenable than ever but uh, still plenty of, of room for improvement in certain ways, too. So look at the screen would be a big, big thing. I've always said that. <laughs> I uh, always I... been my advice for commentary has been pay attention to what's actually happening because yeah. that's all I've ever done. It's it's not like I'm a genius or anything. I just I I I put an extra effort to really just pay attention to what's on the screen and just talk about what's happening. I'm going to look you at know? the screen skeptic. Edwin's played me. He knows. <laughs> Yeah, he's a he's a run run at you exactly where you are. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you need to look at the screen. This this might be a unnecessary part of this game. Yeah. Some the people who want you to look at us at the screen, they might have a questionable agenda that people might want to look into. Yeah. Those screen lookers. What? Why would I look into the screen when I've got so much going on around me? There was a a moment. I think it was Genesis Six. I was playing friendlies with some guy, and uh, I was playing Peach. Uh, against uh, Falco and I had him off stage 
I like literally like looked up because I saw like Plup like sitting down like in a setup like across the way, and I was like, "Who's he? I wonder who Plup's playing with." And I look over, and I guess I just like autopiloted because I, I had killed him. I remember just like narrating. I don't. I was like, I didn't just, know like, what was all gonna... a blur as you just did the sickest. You probably did a nasty combo, and you'll never even know. I probably did some really task shit. One of the coolest things to ever be done on the sticks, and yet uh, I do not have the knowledge of it. It's a pretty I'm... sad life I live. <laughs> I'm uh, I, I'm tethered to to this earthly realm around the CRT. So that was a great question from Seal. Um, yeah, it was actually. I like that question a lot. So uh, Seal also wants to uh, talk about you know you had a Tafo talk with uh, Tafo and commentary from like 2016. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was a long time ago. And it's still a great resource. Uh, and greatest source of advice for any current or future commentators. Uh, and Seal really thinks more people should see it. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, man, I mean, I haven't... I probably haven't watched any of that back in, since the same year that I recorded it with Tafo. <laughs> I kind of forgot that existed. That was... But how that happened was that Tafo was just streaming, and he was just, like, bullshitting with chat. And um, I was just in chat, and he was like, oh, do you want to hop on a call and talk to me and i was like sure so then we just did that um that, it was a very uh common occurrence for tafo to just like kind of uh have no game plan for something and then suddenly fendi's on yeah oh yeah dude. oh just, yeah the old tafo fendi streams wow like fendi yeah. wouldn't even plan to be on but uh fendi would be in the chat and he's like hey why don't you jump on a call <laughs> Uh, well, I miss but, those old Tafo streams. I used to watch those a lot. Led to a lot of, you know, like uh, the the ability for Tafo to just kind of talk off the top of his head like that, you know, led to a lot of cool stuff. And uh, I, I guess a question that I have regarding the, the Tafo talk is, um, you know, 2016, you said a long time ago. How do you think your views have on commentary have changed over the past five years? Um, I think 2016 is actually when I started to kind of like put my thoughts down about commentary. Um. I remember I started, I wrote it, I, I created like a Google document and I like wrote down because I was like listening back to my commentary and like what I used to do is that I would go to a tournament and I would commentate or whatever, come home and I would listen back and I would make notes about what I hated about it, like what annoyed me because like the la what I what I always wanted to bring was uh, an enhancement to, to commentary. Like I... The worst thing is when you are when because like melee the, the the reason i got into melee is because of the game itself like the community too was like a big draw and like you know um i always thought it was really a cool kind of grassroots thing but like the game has always just been so unique to me and like um in its position and like the technicality of it and everything so i always wanted to kind of put melee first and i would listen back and i'd be like okay i hate this and that was how actually around the same time i started the ssb commentator twitter account where i would uh i would tweet like you know stupid things that commentators say that are like cliches or whatever nice backer that's where nice backer came from was mm -hmm. i used to say it all the time and i would be like oh my god shut up webs so i, I made that account and i tweeted uh <laughs> nice back air i followed gimmer and then gimmer retweeted it like immediately and then just like blew up um and like along with that too, I started I started Google Doc and I kind of started to put together my framework for commentary. So I don't think that the way that I view it has changed too much since 2016. Um, undoubtedly, I'm sure there's 
uh, if I were to go back and listen to it, there would be some things I would disagree with because I haven't listened to it in such a long time. I can't imagine that I agree with everything I said in 2016. Uh, and I don't think that I probably at the point where I did the top of talks that I had all of my ideas together about commentary and, you know, what I value in it and what I think makes good commentary. Um, so, and I, I think that I would encourage people to go back and, and take a listen. Um, I've kind of put my thoughts out about commentary a lot, but always in ways that are like non-permanent. Like I have like this, the Google doc where I, I have, you know, it still exists. It's actually publicly available for people to view, but I don't have the link up anywhere. Like you have to just like have seen me post it somewhere <laughs> at some time in like a Twitch chat or like a discord server or something. Um, it's not like I'm, you know, creating resources or anything. The it's lost just, tomes. Well, they're not, they're not lost. They're still there. It's just more like, like the hidden uh, tomes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, I could talk about you. Don't get me started talking about commentary because I could talk about it forever. I'm sure you could. Um, hey, after we hit end record, uh, we'll give our real thoughts. <laughs> That's where the uh, – let's create a new tier, Edwin. We'll become shock jocks. $50 a month. I'm Send us – just DM us the name of whoever you don't like and we'll go off. <laughs> As long as I get my soundboard, I'm fine. Yeah. Oh god, I'm not, I'm not ready for you to have a soundboard. Hey, you know what I think Wizards Force is going to be like, and it's like a toilet sound. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ready for this. Well, the soundboard will just be made of all the uh, embarrassing or awkward commentator sounds. Oh, that would be a good one. You could, I mean, there's such a, a variety. You could definitely mm -hmm. find one for every situation. You could fill a soundboard easily. Do you, know, do you think it's possible in this day and age with what we know about both Melee and technology, uh, could we have some sort of computer vision type thing where, like, uh, whatever happens on stream, like, will trigger a, a commentary soundbite? Do you think that's possible? Um, yeah. It's I'll ask Eric. Could, this seems could, like something. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds like some machine learning stuff, Eric. Would sounds be like an ambi-sinister type of yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him on it. <laughs> Like, with Slippy Data, I'm sure, like, you know, if, if like, uh, a program sees Fox back air and it, and it kills, just nice back air. Um, if it's, uh, if it's, like, each player is at 120% and, and neither has, like, landed a hit in neutral in, like, 10 seconds, it's like, well, it really comes down to who wants it more. <laughs> um, I think this is, like, definitely a very doable project, uh, and... It might be like uh, self-checkouts. It might just kind of kill the... Uh, it might automate the industry and uh, kill the opportunity for workers. It'll be like... Um, it'll be like, what's that application where celebrities can record? You pay them and cameo? they record a video. Yeah, it'd be like Cameo. But for, you know, for each tournament, I'll just record like 10 new lines. You guys just cycle them. Homemade Waffles does have a Cameo. Does he really? Yes. That's I, awesome. Wow. Uh, and so, so if we wanted to, we could do this. <laughs> I've never actually looked into Cameo at all. I just, I see the results. <laughs> I mean, I know if I, it, it's a rabbit hole. I know I would uh, quickly, quickly go broke. Yeah, undoubtedly. It's like, you know, uh, it's always just like, hey, this is Kevin from The Office. I heard you're turning 40. That's great. Uh, don't drop chili. Uh, and it costs <laughs> like a hundred bucks. And I, and I know that just like that idea would, I, I would not be able to stop. Um, I'm going to do this now for Melee Stats. 
But all the videos are just of me. Hey, this is Edwin. I, I heard you graduated. That's really cool. Um, go yeah, good job. <laughs> Follow this day in Smash on Twitter. <laughs> oh my goodness. This reminds me of when Lod graduated high school. Lod's <laughs> <laughs> birthday. <laughs> the greatest. Um, uh, okay, so webs, we we do something uh, each week on the show that to just kind of remind viewers that we are human beings with interests outside of Smash as well. So uh, the segment doesn't really have an official name. It's just kind of like each of us go around talking about things that we're doing outside of Smash. Cool. So since you're our guest for today, why don't you share with the viewers and the listeners what you've been up to outside of Melee? Um, well, lately, as far as like how I've been spending my free time, Mm-hmm. I've been uh, well. I'm working remotely full time now, so I have more time to like. I it helps because I get more time, you know, for free time than too. What I've been doing with that is that I've been biking down to the local nine-hole disc golf course and playing disc golf, uh, practicing. That is, um, and I've been playing uh, World of Warcraft: The Burning Crusade, which. Wow was the expansion that I played as a kid, so it's like nostalgia central for me. So all my, my friends from uh, back in the day who I who I braided with, I'm actually, we're all playing again. So it's oh, been nice. fun to indulge myself in the nostalgia, but uh, it is a bit of a, an investment. So there's no way I'm going to continue in the next expansion if they keep doing these, these expansion re-releases. But I, I've been enjoying it. It's been fun. Okay, and we... Uh, I, I really don't know. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, I feel like I've been working a lot the past. Like I think uh, I think my last day off was probably the last time I had a podcast. Honestly, so I, I don't think I've done much outside of work in the past few days. Um, but uh, let's just say I am interested in talking about which tracks from donda should be cut <laughs> it's a very very fun thing kanye west obviously you know, if anyone has uh has had any interest in the music scene uh would know that kanye west released a uh a, an album called donda and it is uh it's basically the end game for for whatever kanye has been doing for the past five years it's long it's messy it's all over the place it's uh almost two hours each song is basically five and a half minutes and uh it is this very flawed work and yet that's part of the fun of kanye right we can all talk about which songs suck and which songs you cut and then we all make our own little 45 minute mixes and uh you know that that tides us over until the whole cycle renews itself um I think uh, Kanye Kanye's a top 10 artist for me. I would say that he his work has impacted my life a lot, like any white guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I, I would uh, say that, yeah, this is, uh, this is something that I had a lot of... wasn't looking forward to it so much because it was a new Kanye West release, but I was anticipating, you know, what would come out from it. And, and I think that, like, in terms of what we got... This was a, a big mess that is fun to talk about, which is an improvement on a bad mess that is not fun to talk about, uh, which was his last album. So that would yeah. be what I'm doing. 
So on a similar note, and Wheat knows this, uh, I actually went through all of Kanye West's songs from his studio albums and each of uh, each of the singles that I that I could find. Now I didn't include interludes or songs that could be reasonably uh, treated as like functional interludes in this, but I went through his entire discography and ranked each song in different tiers. And um, after doing this, I tried to compile them together to figure out which albums I liked more than other ones. I know it's not exactly one-to-one because like song placement on an album versus just song quality in a nutshell are different beasts of themselves. But but it was pretty fun and I got basically my whole uh, group of hometown friends to do it with me. So it's been a lot of a fun Kanye discussion. What was the hottest uh, take you had? The one that I had? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think the hottest take I have is that uh, Runaway is really overrated. Uh, I, I don't think it's a good Kanye song contender. It's pretty Pusha hot Pusha T murders his verse. It's a great verse. The beginning of the song is very compelling. But, like, I think around the five-minute mark or so, I just I just stop listening or I move on to the next, move on to another song. And it's like you got four four more minutes. It just doesn't end. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? I feel like My Beautiful Dark Trusted Fantasy is probably tied for or just right under late registration for my favorite Kanye West album. But this is kind of like, like if I had to pick something at it, is I think the last like four or five songs drag on a bit. Edwin and I, Edwin, Edwin showed this to me, uh, which is very funny because I have a similar not Kanye themed project, uh, which I hope to talk about at some point soon. <laughs> Um, which is not anything for anyone to look forward to. It's just unfinished Something at the you're moment. Doing. Look, uh, we all what what is our our life but just trying to find a way to bide time until we all shuffle off this mortal coil. Um, <laughs> and shuffle we will. Shuffle we will. Uh, but but yeah, he he showed this to me, and um, we had a like a thirty minute discussion about this that had to be cut short because we we're like we can't keep talking about this um so i don't know but maybe if waiting for game doesn't really uh you know continue its lifespan we can find new life as a as a kanye podcast where we have nothing new to say we just talk about how good he is yeah for well for what it's worth the worst song uh if, if we're talking about hot takes i'm sorry i i, I have to share at least two more so it's not just two more so we're talking two of a my two of my funny or two of my takes are that uh one the worst song off graduation is not barry bonds nor drunken hot girls but it's just big brother which i think is the dumbest is the first song in kanye's career that i would describe as aggressively bad and then the second thing that i was going to bring up is that I think the worst song in his whole career is either Yay versus the People or God Is from Jesus is King. <laughs> There's a lot to go off here. Um, I agree. We, we we talk about this. We agree with these takes. Uh, I, I think, did I say 
Big Brother sucks to you first, or did you say it to me first? Whatever it is, I this think is I said it to you, and, and I think I said it to you, and because I was talking about how I hated the idea, like maybe I was just like old fashioned, but I hate the idea of making songs about other rappers that are just like incredibly positive and supposedly <laughs> like gushy or whatever. I just you hate do that. hate positivity. Um, what, no, whatever it is, this, this is a uh, subject that we talked about a while ago. Our yes. our hatred for Big Brother has, has stretched far. <laughs> Far beyond, uh, I think, maybe any Melee podcast that we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of podcast, Webs, what a podcast guest you are. What a, uh, I mean, it's been such a pleasure to, to be able to see you. I, I know that you've been a little bit of a, a recluse from the, the Melee scene, but thanks for uh, getting out of your cave, for uh, getting out of your hole, and yeah. uh, speaking to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always, yeah, man. I mean... Previously, I feel like we uh, we would do the recorded episodes, you know, go deep dives. We have uh, a wealth of uh, of episodes. How many how many deep dives was I on actually? Do you know? Off That's a good question. Um, I'd be like three, maybe. We should probably do the math on that. I made a I made I remember... an offhand claim one time that if someone is guressed uh, on five episodes, they get a jacket. And uh, <laughs> uh, look, I don't know if do I'm not five, have, but... we do not have the budget for <laughs> for these jackets. So uh... all right, that's fair. If this is number four, uh, you know it's been it's been a good time. So unfortunately, everything must come to an end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we had fun on those deep dives. Uh, commentary special. That's, That's something. A fun episode. If uh, if people want to check out some of the uh, some of the more zany kind of uh, listless uh, melee stats podcast, they can check that out. Uh, you know, we have those. Uh, all the deep dives are in a playlist on the melee stats archive channel. But uh, before we get to all the plugs, I want to hear uh, what can people where can people follow you? Um, yeah, I mean you can follow my Twitter, uh, Webs Smash. There's two S's in the middle. I've always said that. I was like well, the first time I ever plugged my Twitter, I said that, and then I've said that every time ever since. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I was actually thinking the other day. I was like, I don't know. I do have a lot, of, not a lot, but I have. A bit of free time to myself and there was something i did back in like 2015 i think where i did some um uh bedtime story streams where i would people would submit fairy tales or bedtime stories and then i would read them on stream and people could fall asleep to my voice and i think i did two of them ever i had like a google doc all set up where I was like people could submit it and when i did it like a bunch of people showed up to it so i was thinking the other day about it and i was like maybe i should do that again this is just like proto ASMR streams. It it was, I mean, I'm sure ASMR existed at the time, but I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, but anyway. like, I don't know, man. I'm saying, get yourself a hot tub. We'll see where this thing goes. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have any current plans to uh, to do it, but um, maybe you'll see me tweeting to follow my Twitch sometime in the future. Cool. What's your Twitch? It's the same as my Twitter. Web Two S's. Smash. That's right, right in the middle. Yeah, well, it was actually three. There's the S at the end before the H as well, but in the middle there's the back-to-back two S's. Um, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not planning on going to any tournaments in the near future. Um, but hopefully, it'll get to a point where I'll feel like you know I want to attend something. Nice. I was think, I think. Genesis, I really want to go to, but I'm so on the fence about it. 
Problem is, I'm I'm in Canada, so it's you know I gotta mm. cross a border in order to get there. So yeah. Well, um, you know, if this is a deciding factor, I'm pretty sure that you're very high up on the Edwin Budding hugs list. Uh, yes, absolutely. You might be the reason that this exists. <laughs> I do have to file that restraining order, don't I? <laughs> oh, my God. No, it's, it, it's international law now, so it might I'm be a little kidding. harder. <laughs> I love you, Edwin. Don't worry. But yeah, you'd be you. uh, you'd be a joy to see at any event. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, we can. We can see your presence, even if it's not on the mic. I, I'm sure everyone would love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people can go follow you there. You know, you've you've made some tweets about uh, where exactly people can put their controllers. <laughs> so so maybe we can. Yeah. And we've seen some we, great responses. We can see more stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like I should get some credit for Leon's tweet, right? <laughs> the uh, the Donkey Kong Rumble tweet. Yeah, that was funny. It's, 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 I, it was uh, usually like if I if I write like LOL or something in response to something, it, it usually just means that I smiled or I thought or it like may, maybe made me ch- chuckle. But Leon's tweet actually like was the rare case in which it genuinely had me laughing out loud yeah. in real life. How quickly it cycles through the menu is what got me. It's like, yeah. <laughs> this is practice. Like he's been here. <laughs> if, I mean, hey, if people want to check out that uh, that tweet, I would highly recommend it ycz6 uh, on twitter um to, uh, if you're on twitter and uh why not give yourself uh in addition to seeing that tweet why not uh give melee stats pod a follow you can see our daily reporting tweets of the locals offline and online and uh links to articles that we put on meleestats.co where you can uh you can go and you can find articles like monday morning marth and when's melee if you want to support us, you can uh, do so over on patreon.com slash Melee Stats. If you want to watch our long-form videos, you can do so the Melee Stats YouTube channel. And uh, like we said earlier, Melee Stats Archive is going to be where all these episodes are and other fun bonuses. And, uh, you know, if you want to watch these episodes live, twitch.tv slash Melee Stats. Webs, it's been Wait. a wonderful experience. Uh, I hope I hope I get to hug you. I hope like you aren't, uh, you know, you don't get ever to a point where Edwin hugs you so much that you are turned off from the idea of human contact. <laughs> no, I, I I'm we'll only I'm point. a one hug person. I don't, I don't like hugging multiple times. Yeah, you just put a lot of meaning into that one hug. That's yes, how, that's how it goes. I'm a one hug man. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks for having me. From uh, from the one hug man to everyone, thank you everyone for joining. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Peace.